Good morning again, and I, I am so thankful good, that we get to worship a great God this morning. If you would be taking your Bibles and turning with me to Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, we're going to look at some verses in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, and then on down as we uh, unpack what we talked about this past week in VBS, but the, the lessons that some of the kids learned, the lessons that we went over each night. But before I do that, I just wanted to say thank you again to all of our dads that are here this morning. Uh, it's so important that we have faithful dads that are leading out and, and showing us the way that we should go. I know how important my dad is in my life and in my development. I would, I would not be who I am without him, the good part of I would not be who I am without him. Uh, I remember growing up, I never had to wonder who was in charge between me and dad or in our home. I knew at the end of the day, dad was boss. And what dad said went, you know, and as I got older, I got a little confused on that. And we won't go into that this morning. Let's just say it didn't work out well uh, when I decided that I was boss. And now I have a family of my own and I'm so thankful that in our home, our kids know who is boss. And I'm so very thankful that Crystal has taken on that role. No, I'm just, I'm just playing, but... Uh, it's good to know who's in charge. It's good to know who is boss. That's something that we talked a lot about this past week in Vacation Bible School, the fact that Jesus is ruler, that he is in control of everything. And so we're going to look first at verses 15 through 17 of Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He's before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. I want to tell you this morning that there is nothing that is not under the command of Jesus Christ. When we look at this passage of Scripture, Paul tells us that He is the image, the icon of the invisible God. He has made that which is invisible, visible. No one has ever seen God at any time except for the Son who has made Him known to us. Jesus came and He has represented to us God in the flesh. If you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. Jesus took on human flesh, human bone and hair and became a man while still being God. He's the God Man, Jesus is over all things as the exact representation of God. He is the exact image of God. You can't understand God apart from Jesus. He is God of very God. But he goes on and he says that he's the, the firstborn of all creation. We read that. That doesn't mean that Jesus is a created being. What it means here is that Jesus is first among everyone and everything. He is of first importance. To put it in terms that, that I can understand, he always gets a ride in the front seat. Now, most of our younger folks probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but, but raise your hand if you ever got in a fist fight over who rode in the front seat, right? I mean, admit it, we, we like to ride in the front seat, right? Why? Because that's who's important. Who's that, whoever gets to ride in the front seat, they're, they're boss, right? I mean, you get to mess with the radio and the air conditioner and all that stuff. Like, you, everybody gets to see you up front. You're the one who's most important. You're the, the, the firstborn in that situation. You are the most important person. At least you feel that way growing up. Nowadays, you know, you have the car seats and you've got to ride in the back seat until you're like 18 or so. And, and so, you, you know, but, but Jesus, uh, He is 
firstborn, wherever he goes and whoever he's riding with, he's in the front seat because he's always most important. Well, why is this? Why does Jesus get to be first over all creation? Well, it's because he made it. Made what, you ask? Well, Paul tells us here that he made all things. And if that wasn't clear enough that all things were created through him, well, he made all things in heaven. Well, what does that include? Angels, stars, galaxies, our sun, our moon. He made it all. On earth, the mountains, the rivers, the silver, the gold, the trees. Oh, stuff that's visible. Yeah, He made that. What about the invisible stuff? Well, yeah, no, He made that too. So if you can see it, He made it. And if you can't see it, He made it. Thrones or dominions. Worried about angels and demons and things like that? Jesus made them. Worried about rulers or authorities? He made governments. He made politicians. He made all of these things. All of them were made through Him and for Him. He is before all things. There's nothing that He doesn't outrank. He is actually the one we learn here that holds it all together. It says, and through Him all things hold together. The very power of Jesus Christ holds our universe together. His power is what keeps us here. Apart from His power, we would cease to exist. He is the one who holds all things as they are. Listen, listen to this psalm from Psalm 19. The, the psalms were the, the, the book of songs that the Jewish people would have sang. And In Psalm 19, we read these words. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes through, out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. Now when you look at that, that verse, the verbs there, they're a continuing action. And so it's something that, that happened in the past. It's something that's happening now and it's something that's always going to happen. Like it's, it's something that they don't ever stop doing. They're pouring out speech. What is pouring out speech? All of creation is saying one thing. God is glorious and worthy of our praise. And, and I love that second part there. Basically, a, a, another way to translate that is their words aren't heard, their voices aren't recorded, but their silence fills the earth. Unspoken truth is everywhere. In other words, you cannot look at the world around us and not be amazed at the handiwork of God. You cannot consider the creation and not praise its creator. You cannot look and see these wonderful mountains that we have out behind us here and not be amazed at God's creativity and His power. Or the way that our universe works and not be amazed at His wisdom and the way that He holds all these things together. So this morning we, we praise Jesus who made all things, all the things that we admire, all the things we try to control but can't control. Whatever you see, He made it. He's the boss of all things. And so when we begin to understand that, guys, when we understand that Jesus truly is the ruler of all things, the first thing that happens is we get a little less important. Like we don't look at these things and think, man, I sure am amazing. Like, no, no one goes to the ocean and says, says boy, I sure am big. No one climbs a mountain and says, sure, I sure am tall. No, as we look into the face, as we look at God's Word and we see who it is that we worship, we, we don't end up saying, boy, I sure am powerful. I sure am the center of it all. 
And we look at it and we realize that He is the center of the universe, that all things revolve around Him and not around us. All of a sudden, we're reminded of our smallness. We're reminded that, that, that Jesus is the one who is important. When we look at the, the sunrise in the morning, we're not amazed at our power and creativity, but rather His. Jesus is in control. He made all things. And if He's wise enough to hold everything that we know of together in one place, then I'm pretty sure He's powerful enough and wise enough to take care of you and me. So all those things that are worrying us. Remember, He made everything. Not only did He make everything, He's able to fix everything, which is an important trait if you're good at breaking things, right? Um, at least in my home it is. I'm not really good at fixing them. I'm more good at breaking them. And so sometimes I break them worse. But, but Jesus, He's actually able to fix all things. Look at verse 19. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. So all things are being reconciled to Himself through what Jesus did. He is fixing all things. It's like this. You're saying, what are you talking about? Uh, we, we started playing this game. I say we, Josiah and Zoe, have started playing this game at the house called Minecraft. I don't know if you've heard of it. But it's basically like the digital Legos. That's the best way I can describe it. You go and you get stuff and then you build stuff. Sort of like Legos, only it's in a digital world. Well, anyway, last night I was sitting there and I was talking to Zoe and she was telling me, yeah, Dad, today I built three houses. I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. Josiah destroyed two of them. And, and, and you just got to know Josiah. Him and, and he looked over and he grinned at me and I grinned at him because that's kind of what we do, right? But, but he, he may have destroyed that, but it's nothing compared to what we have done to God's creation. That's nothing compared to what we have done through our sinfulness. This past week, uh, we mentioned a little bit ago about the different skits that we did for the kids to talk about you know, the different ways that we mess up, the things that we do wrong, the sin that we create. And you know, every night it seemed like it ended up being me tearing something up, mostly because that's just easy for me to pretend to do because it's not much pretending. Like That's what I do. And, and so uh, you know, that's, that's how we behave in the world. We mess everything up through our sinfulness. God made a good world. He made a, a perfect world. And He put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And you know what Adam and Eve did? They disobeyed God and as a result of their disobedience, they brought sin into the world. This good world was messed up because of their sin. And so now we have tornadoes, we have earthquakes, we have bomb threats, we have all these horrible things that happen in our world as a result of sin. Not just their choice to sin, but our choice as well and people's continuing choice to sin. And so when Paul says that Jesus came to reconcile all things to himself, what he means is he made everything and now he's going to fix everything. In some uh, cosmic level, some mysterious level, Jesus reconciles the whole world to himself through dying on the cross. I don't understand it. I don't get it. All I know is that as he is paying for our sins, he is also reconciling the entire world to God. And so in other words, God made it, we broke it, Jesus fixed it. But it's not just the world around us that needs fixing, guys. The creation this morning that needs the most attention is us. And see, we're all sinners. We all have a broken relationship with God. The thing that we broke worse than anything else is our relationship with Him because of our sin. Listen to the way that we are described. And you who once were alienated, 
in verse 21, sorry, uh, Colossians 1.21, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. In other words, Jesus offers us a new relationship to replace the one that we messed up, the one that we broke. You see, we're in a bad way with God before Christ comes into our life. Paul says, yes, uh, Christ reconciled everything in the world. And as for you, and even you, if you want to put it that way, even you he reconciled. As if to say, yeah, the world is kind of messed up, but you, on the other hand, even you he was able to fix. Even you he was able to bring back to God. You whose relationship with God was so messed up, was unfixable. I know I've shared with you guys a, a couple of different times. When I, I guess I was 16 and been driving a couple of months, and um, my dad had let me use his truck, and I blew up the motor in it. It was a terrible situation. I'd let it run out of oil, and I'd hot rod it, and I'm not going to confess everything in case there's some of it he forgot, and he's here this morning. So I, I won't go into everything. But anyway, the, the motor had blown up, and then he spent the next three weeks fixing this truck, fixing the motor, and putting it back in there. And I was like, yes. It was amazing, it was good, it was fun again. And it was like a week and a half later that I ran a stop sign and totaled it. Completely totaled, like unfixable totaled. Needless to say, he was not super pumped about that. And thanks, Dad, I love you. But, but, uh, but anyway, I, it was not damaged. It was not sort of broken. It was totaled. Like there's no fixing it. We have to move on at that point. That's the type of relationship. That is what we've done to God in our relationship. You notice Paul says here that we are alienated. In other words, we are separated from God. We are estranged from God. We don't have a relationship with God apart from Christ. Isaiah describes it like this. He says that your sins have separated between you and your God so that He cannot hear you. There's no communication going on. There's no talking happening. There's a wall between us and God called sin until Christ comes into our lives. The separation is because of our hostile mind and evil deeds. We prove that we have an attitude of rebellion against God by what we do. Think about the way that we act on a regular basis. We are good with God and we're good with what God gives us as long as God does what we want Him to do when we want Him to do it and doesn't ask us to do anything we don't want to do. Right? It's, it's easy to do things as long as God is asking us to do the things we want to do. It's like with kids. Like, it's easy for us to do stuff as long as our folks are asking us to do stuff we want them to do or we want to do. It's easy as long as we're getting ice cream. But then cleaning our room, that's a whole different story, right? Same thing is true in, as we grow up. You know, as parents ask us to do something, we may ignore them. When God asks us to do something, what do we do? We ignore Him. Or, you know, we, we allow jealousy to decide the way that we treat other people. We allow gossip Instead of prayer, God speaks and we say, eh, I think I'm going to do what I want to do. As you look at your life this morning, I don't care if you're, you're three or you're you know, 300, you are going to rebel against God. And Paul is saying here, this is our attitude, this is who we were. But Jesus came to save us. Basically what we're saying at that point is, Jesus, you're not my king, you're not my boss. 
I know better than you. I know, I know, Jesus, that you made everything and I know that by your wisdom and by your power you hold all things together, but I'm pretty sure I know better than you what I should do with my life. I'm pretty sure I know better than you how I should live. I know, I know you made all things and I know the stars and everything. I, I get that, I get that, that's good. But you don't know about the situation I got. And so we do what we want. We show him our attitude of rebellion. And we look at verse 22. It says, He, you rebels against the king of the universe, he is now reconciled to himself by his body of flesh, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So you who are complete rebels can now stand before God holy and whole and made uh, uh, pure in front of the holy God of the universe if you will believe on Him, if you will trust on Him through the payment that He made. You notice it says here that it's by His death. How does the King of the universe fix our relationship with Him? The one who made all things, who we rebelled against, basically spit in His face. How does He fix it? Does He fix it by destroying us, by snuffing us out? No, He dies. He dies in our place. He dies the death we should have died so that we can receive reconciliation, so that we can receive forgiveness. Jesus, in His grace, has made a way for us to be saved, for us to be redeemed. You see, His sacrifice in our place was big enough to cover every single sin we could commit, to cover the big ones and the little ones. See, we wrecked our relationship with God beyond repair. We totaled it. We didn't sort of blow up the motor. No, we totaled it. And Jesus says, it's okay, I'm going to give you a new one if you'll believe in me. If you'll trust in me, if you'll trust in the sacrifice I've made, I'll give you a brand new relationship with God. I wonder this morning if you're trying to fix things between you and God. Like Maybe I just need to do this, this, and this, and me and God will be cool. Maybe I need to just get in a self-help group and you know make myself a better person and God will be happy with me. No, you have a totaled relationship. Apart from Christ, you have no hope. There is no fixing your situation. The only way you can be forgiven, the only way you can have a right relationship with Him is through trusting in Christ and what He has done. So what happens after we trust in Jesus and what He has done for us on the cross? Where, where do we go from there? Is that it? Like, a, okay, I trusted in Jesus. That must be it. No, that's only the beginning. You, you notice something here that, that Paul talks about. It says that Jesus is the head of a, of a new creation. It says in verse 18 that he's the head of the church. And, and I know, I know you're probably getting antsy at this point, but just hear me out on, on this. this. This is something that I, I, I saw happen this week. This is something we all need to, to learn. You see, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he didn't die for you alone. He didn't die for you alone. And die for you or you or you or you, any individual alone. No, he died to create a new people. He died to redeem a people for himself. He died to, to make an, a new creation. He died to make a new uh, people for himself. And this people we call the church, we call the family, we call the body. There's a reason we can't talk about the gospel without talking about the church and talk about the church without talking about the gospel. We are a redeemed uh, kingdom uh, of saints, a redeemed kingdom of priests that God has brought uh, to Himself through the blood of Jesus. This is who we are. And, and it's apart from that relationship, apart from being a part of the church and doing things like what we did this past week, 
We miss out on so much. We miss out on so much that God wants to teach us. I, I was sitting there yesterday morning. I'd gotten up early, and, and Zoe had beat me up. She was very proud of the fact that she was the first one up in the house. And she was sitting there, and she was playing Minecraft. She was building her houses before me and her brother could come and destroy them. And, and she, she looked at me, and she said, You know, Dad, your sin's this big. My sin's this big. Maybe this big. Like, she, she was give, being gracious. You know where she heard that at? For those of you who were at VBS, one of the skits we did one night. I mean, how cool is that? Like, this, this little five-year-old girl gets something that we have to learn every single day. At least I do. You see, Jesus didn't die just for our itty-bitty sins. He died for all of our sins. He didn't just die for the one-time sins. He died for every sin that we commit. When he says it is finished, he means it is finished. And so to hear that come out of my, my daughter's mouth was just amazing. Here I am thinking all she saw was me get slimed or spit cookies. And those were fun. I'm not going to lie. That was fun. But to hear her get the gospel as a result of this past week, I mean, that's, that's really what it's about. You know, the, the children who came to, to Vacation Bible School this past week, they learned about God's love for them through, uh, in Christ through the cross. But they, they learned other things too. I was talking with Miss Tammy one day before Vacation Bible School and started, and she was telling me how uh, her and the, the ladies who were working in the preschool, they were like, now, if our kids don't get anything else, they're going to get that God loves them and that Jesus died for them and that God made everything. And she's like, you know, we just, we're trying our best. And I'm like, that, that's great, and we want our kids to learn that. But I was reminded, it, and I just shared with her how important it is for those kids to also learn that this is a place where they're loved and where they're safe within the arms of the body of Christ. You know, I, they, they, they learned this past week that Miss Tammy loves them, and she cares for them. They learned this past week that an entire church cares for them, that, we would, that, that an entire church would devote time and resources and money and, and normalcy so that they could hear of Christ. And that... It's really what it's all about. We're all in this together, working together to, to please the Lord and, and teach uh, each other the gospel. I, as I was talking with Miss Tammy, I was reminded of, of me growing up and going to vacation Bible school. Miss Flossie Doyle, she, uh, she was the, the, the lady who gave us food. and Imagine that, that's who I remember. But anyway, I was like five years old, and I remember her giving me that one little sandwich cookie, or two little sandwich cookies, and that little bitty cup of lemonade and sitting with my cousin, and we had a cookie, and we had some lemonade, and he's like, hey, let's just leave our cups here on the ground, and so we did, and Miss Flossie came over, and she's like, what are y'all doing? You can't do this, you know, and I remember this day, don't treat God's creation that way. Don't, don't just leave your stuff on the ground, and I remember all of those faithful people in that church teaching me, not just God's Word, but teaching me that they loved me, and they cared for me. These kids from this past week, they may not remember everything, but they'll remember that. And so I, I ask you this morning, are, are you buying in to the church, to the body of Christ, and saying, where can I serve? Where is the place that God would have me be so that I can not maybe work with kids and show them that I love them and show them that God loves them? Maybe this morning is, well, how can I show adults that God loves them? How can I make people feel welcome here at church? You see, Jesus died in our place, not to just simply get us to heaven, but to make us a part of His family. And as part of His family, we are working together to get the gospel to the entire world, to carry the message of the cross to everyone. 
The message that God said is so plain. God made the world perfectly. We messed it up and, and allowed sin to not only mess up this world, but mess up our lives. But God loves us so much that He wouldn't leave us without Himself. So He made a plan to bring us a Savior, to bring us back to Him. That Savior, His name is Jesus. And Jesus came, the only Son of God, and He lived a perfect life. And at the end of that perfect life, He died not because of the sins He committed. He had no sins. He died because of what we have done. And He says, whoever would believe in Me, whoever would trust in Me, would find forgiveness and salvation. I wonder this morning if you've ever trusted on Christ. I wonder this morning if you've ever put your faith in Him. If you've not, I ask you to do that this morning. And if you have, if you've said, you know, Jesus is my King and I'm going to follow Him and you're looking at your life and you're saying, my life's over here, but Jesus is calling me to be over here. Will you stop ignoring Him and get, him to, get to where He wants you to be? This morning you feel like, Man, I've done too much, I've been too far, my sins are too big. Learn the truth that I was reminded of this week. It doesn't matter if your sins are this big or this big. You still need Jesus. You still need Him to save you. And guess what? He's big enough and powerful enough to do just that. To save you, to forgive you, and to bring you home to Him. To give you a brand new life and a brand new relationship with Himself this morning. And, and so no matter who you are and what you're facing this morning, I just ask you, look, at, look into the cross, look into the gospel, and ask the Lord, I, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to turn back to you? Do you want me to trust on you for the first time? Do you want to remind me of your grace for me in spite of me in the way that you're able to fix all these things that I just keep on messing up? If you would stand with me, and as you stand, we're going to pray, and after I pray, we're going to have a time of invitation. If God is working in your heart, would you come this morning? Father, I thank you. I thank you for moments like these that we get to share together. God, I thank you for a church that is faithful to serve you, faithful to invest in the next generation. Lord, I thank you for the grace and mercy and love of Jesus Christ this morning and going to the cross on our behalf. Lord, I pray that we would walk out of here today fully aware of your grace for us. God, that we'd walk out of here today ready to serve you, ready to please you, ready to show that love to those around us. God, we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh.